Welcome back to TCU's Three Wisemen, where your three favorite geniuses, although this week it's two, give their uh, facts and opinions on everything TCU and sometimes other things. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about TCU's game versus Iowa State. But before we get to that, we got a special guest today, former number two player in this class, top 100, or no, top 600 player in the world currently. This fall, he was a ITA Texas Regional Finalist, ITA Fall Singles Championship Quarterfinalist, and ITA Fall Doubles Championship Semifinalist. We have Pedro Vivas on, current tennis player for TCU. So, Pedro, thank you for joining us today. Thanks to you guys. Pleasure always to help you guys out and be here on the show. Yeah, so you're from Spain, not not Texas, um, from Mallorca, and you trained at the Rafael Nadal Academy. And there are a That's few right. names that kind of transcend sports. Yeah, like Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Tiger Woods, Michael Phelps. Tennis, I think, has more than any other sport with Roger Federer, John McEnroe, for somebody a little bit older, Novak Djokovic, and Rafael Nadal. What was it like training at Rafa's Academy? Yeah, and what's it like being the next Rafa? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I can answer that second question, but um, just, I mean, for me, it was just the perfect uh, place to be. Like, I'm from Mallorca, so that's literally at home for me. I get to see all my friends, all my family with without leaving the academy, basically, and having the perfect base there with coaches, physio, fitness, everything. So I would say it was a great experience and Whenever I go back home, I always try to go and say hi to to all coaches, friends, and and everyone that I know there. That's it's awesome. so awesome that you have this like super fantastic training ground just in your backyard at home. Yeah. Um. So coming out of like high school, number two recruit, like Jacob said, top six six hundred player. What was the decision factor on coming to TCU instead of going pro straight away? And what's it been like coming to Texas from Spain? Well, so I I actually tried to play for pro, pro, and I played for a year and a half, two years, and I got up to 500, 600, whatever it was. And um, after that, COVID hit. So we, we, we had that long break of six months, seven months without competing. And they honestly, I, I just... I struggled a lot after COVID competing. Like I couldn't find my rhythm. I couldn't find my, like the love of competing. And I kind of like came to college, like to take a break of the pro tour. Um, I was already um, studying in Spain economics. So it was a way of like continuing my degree while I could play tennis at the same time. And uh, honestly, I couldn't be happier of choosing that path. That's yeah. awesome. That, that's awesome. Yeah. Love Glad to hear that. Major. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a that's typical for at least Barrett and I and Connor, who's not here today, but we all couldn't have been happier with TCU. So your freshman year, you broke into the singles lineup about halfway through the season. Uh, and then your sophomore year, a little bit higher expectations, played the sixth position. And then, really, you you locked down that number five spot last year. 
uh, and basically won every single match that I can remember watching. Uh, you were like 21 and nine in singles and 17 and six in doubles. Every year, your role on the team has increased. And that's definitely going to be the same this year. It already has increased with your success in the fall. How are you handling the uh, expectations of playing the two, three, four spots this year? I mean, honestly, is I'm just very excited, like to play higher in the lineup and get my my shot to play better matches. Try to be one of the leaders of the team now that we've lost a couple of fifth years and seniors. Um, and yeah, it's just very very exciting. I think we still have a great team. Maybe we're not we're not as deep as we used to be, but I think our top six is just as good as anyone else in the country. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, to go off of that, like you and Seb Gorsny, um, you guys have been one of the best duos in the Big 12, probably one of the best in the country, in my humble opinion. Um, your TCU's winningest doubles from last season. What is it be- between the kind of the connection between you guys that makes you all such a dynamic duo out on the court? Uh, I think we're we're two very different guys, like – I'm not just inside the court, like off the court as well. Like I would say inside the court, Seb's maybe a bit more vocal, but relaxed at the same time. Like his way of being on the court, like he tries to be very chill all the time. And I like to be a bit more, more intense, more dynamic. And I think being that different, that helps us to, I help him to be a bit more activated in some moments and he helps me relax when I'm a bit more stressed, you know? Yeah, I would say I would say that that it's a good combination because if both of us maybe were very dynamic or very relaxed, then it would be hard to get the other part of it, you know? Yeah. Opposites attract. I guess that's that's just the moral of the story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you had a really, really busy summer competing in tons of tournaments, uh, gaining a career high singles ranking. So congratulations. Thank you. Um. And college tennis is kind of weird and different from just about every other college sport in that you can compete in professional tournaments while in college. Yeah. And how does the prize money work out there? Do do you guys get the prize money or is it pushed to the future? So when you graduate, you wait for it because I know you have to retain your amateur status. Yeah. So I think it has changed a lot like during the years. But since I've been here in college, the way it works is if you go on your own to play tournaments, you can you can get the money you can get all the prize money and say you win i don't know three thousand dollars in a week whatever then it adds up to a, to a sum of to this all the all the tournaments that you've played they ended up they end up adding to a total so say you play for four or five months you win a total of 15k 20k whatever it is then you need to show that you've spent at least the same amount that you've won okay so then you you show them that you haven't won any money so basically yeah. you're, you're still an amateur because you haven't you haven't earned anything okay so you have to use your winnings as expense payments yeah so yeah when you win a big tournament you basically live really large for the next two weeks yeah. three weeks <laughs> and it's oh. not easy because at the end of the day we don't get to play a lot of tournaments yeah. So if you do if you are, if you're lucky enough and you do well then that's a 
decent amount of money that you're winning, but you're not spending that much. So you, you got to find a way always to spend money. <laughs> <laughs> well, as somebody who doesn't have a lot of money to spend, I envy you when you, when you <laughs> yeah. do have to spend it. <laughs> so, so talking about kind of doing well at tournaments, this f previous fall, you were in the finals of the Texas Regionals ITA. Um, you reached the quarterfinals of the fall ITA championships. Um, bumped you up to number 14 player in the country, so congrats on that. Um, Thank you. Micah Braswell was from UT, was the guy who won both those tournaments. Yeah, you get two daddy. shots at them this year. Uh, knowing kind of the history there and a chance to kind of get back at them, do, do those games kind of mean more to you, or is it just kind of business as usual? I mean, more more than individual. I mean, I'm guessing it depends on every person, but like for me, more than on individual matchups or or anything. You're obviously more excited to play, to play those teams, those Baylor, Texas, where we basically pay, play them every year, twice at least, and then depending on the Big Twelve tournament, you'll play them again. So obviously, you get that the, that good rivalry, and those are intense matchups. Um, everyone knows each other, like all the coaches know each other for a long time. We know all the players. We've been playing against them for three years. So yeah, I mean. You're obviously excited to play those those kind of matches against them. Yeah, last year I think we played UT four times because we beat them yeah. in the we beat them in the indoor championships, and I think they won both regular season matches, and then we beat they, them in the championship. Yeah, so we we won the first one at indoors in the final. Yeah, then we lost that we lost at home, but that one wasn't regular. Yeah, that was a conference. That was just yeah. a dual match, and then we went there to play for the Big Twelve regular season, and we lost there for two or five two. Yeah, I can't remember. Like that. that was that was a brutal. Like it was so much fun. Like they, I think they had like almost three thousand people watching. It was like packed. Holy cow! And obviously it was. A very good experience and a bad experience at the same time, but but then then we got them in the Big Twelve Championship in Kansas. So yeah, that was too old. So we're going. Yeah, we need we need to solve things this this yeah, semester. I, I think it's really cool that that the coaches recognize that like us in Texas, we're the two top teams in the state, and so they want to get the best competition. So we play them more than yeah. just in conference. I think it's cool yeah. that they, they schedule an out of conference so we can have like a home and home. I hope they do that when Texas moves to the SEC. Yeah, we'll, we'll for sure. We'll, I mean, we won't play them with conference. We, we for sure will play them once. I mean, it's a three yeah. hour drive from here to Austin or from Austin to here to top five teams for the last five, 10 years. So yeah. yeah. That's, I, I really want to beat them. I never like losing to Texas. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, and we, we did beat them in the indoor championships, and that was our second of a back-to-back -back national indoor championships year. And uh, we got one more question for you, Pedro, because I know you got to get to uh, you got to get to rehab and training and all that stuff to get ready for your match on Wednesday. But uh, yeah, we made we won the net indoor championships and we made it to the final four of the outdoor tournament last year. Why is this year's team 
going to three-peat as indoor champions? And why are we going to finally break through and win the outdoor tournament? Well, I mean, why not? Uh, that, that should be the question. Um, no, I think we obviously have a, a team with, with a lot of experience now. Um, I would say me, yeah, me, Jake, Louis and Tommy won the first one and the second one. So there you, you have four players that have been playing for two national championships. Then you've got Seb and Jack that have played for once. For, yeah, for it once. And um, yeah, I mean, everyone, it was kind of a disappointment last year, that last match against Ohio and everyone, I know everyone remembers how, how we felt at that point. So we know uh, what we have to do if we're in that situation again, what we need to change. And we just don't want to feel that way again. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I'm glad to hear that uh, we we've kind of taken that experience as a motivating factor yeah into the season um good luck to you guys thanks again for coming on oh, today thank you guys love it uh, and for our listeners everybody needs to be out at the indoor courts on wednesday at 5 30 we're playing abilene sure. christian it should be a win i know it's sports so nothing's <laughs> guaranteed nothing's know. guaranteed should be a win Tennis matches are one of the most fun sporting events I think you can go to at TCU because there is so much happening at all times. Yeah, it's very dynamic. Yeah, and yeah. even though it's an individual sport, the team aspect of it just comes through. They're really fun to watch in person. If I could be there, I totally would. I'll be watching online. But good luck to you this season, man. Hopefully we can have you. you on before the uh, – before the outdoor championships or the indoor yep, finals sure. um, <laughs> talk about it so good luck to you man thanks for coming on thank you of course thank you to you, you pedro it, that's really cool that we got to talk to uh talk Damn. to one of the top athletes at tcu <laughs> yeah that's pretty awesome <laughs> yeah he's he's he really did have an incredible fall uh i watched most of his tournaments um that I could with, through ITA. He was just at uh, Indian Wells playing a qualifier tournament there last weekend. He unfortunately felt something and had to pull out, but he's back at TCU now. I think he should be ready to go by Wednesday. Looking forward to the tennis season. Now we kind of have to change change from being excited about the tennis season to uh to talking about something that's not so exciting in tcu's loss to iowa state yeah man this was rough week for tcu basketball and obviously coming off of a loss to cincinnati away and then coming straight into a one point loss versus iowa state at home getting rid of our unbeaten record at the Schollmeyer. Um, uh, Frogs look sloppy, sloppy, sloppy in this game. We had 27 turnovers in this game. Um, to to give some some color to that, Iowa State is a defense that forces a lot of turnovers. They average 18 per game, but 27 turnovers is a stupid high number. Then honestly, the Frogs should not 
have that many turnovers in this game. And that's that's inevitably what what lost us the game. If you if you go back and watch the game, the first half, I mean, we had like Good half Lord, as many. Awful. Yeah, we had like half as many shots, just total shots as Iowa State did in the first half, just because we turned the ball over so many times. And I thought the Frogs did a good job of obviously coming back and making this a game where um, for end of the first half, it really looked like Iowa State was going to run away with it. Um, didn't do an amazing job shooting from three, only 33%, and shot a lot better in the second half than we did in the first half. Still shooting 50% from the field, though, which is honestly impressive, albeit 46 total field goal attempts versus 62 for Iowa State. Yeah. It just shouldn't happen. You should never have a a difference that big. But No, but honestly, though, thinking about last year, if we had a game where I told you we shot 33% from three, <laughs> you probably think that we won the game because we never shot 33% from three last year. So – like, of course, our three-point shooting took a dip this game. It, 50% that we shot the past two games, that's not sustainable. And honestly, you could tell in the Cincinnati game, we were pretty heavily relying on the three-pointer to stay in that game. And that's not a sustainable way for playing, especially for a team like ours, who isn't known for their three-point shooting. Kind of fell back to earth on this one. But, man, 27 turnovers. It was sloppy. I was in a meeting while watching this game and had it pulled up on another screen, and every time I looked over, we turned the ball over again. It was just turnover, turnover, turnover. Yeah, and and to be fair to the, to the Frogs, we had 40 total rebounds versus 24 for Iowa State. We did a good job out-rebounding them and boxing them out, but – they just totally destroyed us in points in the paint and points off turnovers. 28 points in the paint versus 40 for Iowa State. 36 points off turnovers for Iowa State versus 13 for us. Still did a decent job running in transition with 22 fast break points, which is kind of intriguing to me considering how poorly we showed out on off- on the offensive end. But, yeah, the turnovers really were the difference in this game. Avery Anderson – had seven turnovers. Jameer Nelson had five. Uh, just overall sloppy game. I, I, You guys know I've been high on Iowa State. I like them as a team. They play really strong defense. They shoot the ball pretty well. They were missing their top player this game and still obliterated us. And so I think props to them. Like They, they came out and played incredible defense and just hounded our ball handlers. And I think the refs were like pretty even, but they definitely let both teams play physically throughout this game. And it showed. Yeah, I did see some complaining about the refs online um, because I was watching with the volume muted. I didn't hear much, Um, but really even we can't really blame this on the refs. We had 27 turnovers. No. Avery Anderson had many as many turnovers as he had points. Jameer Nelson had one fewer turnover than he had points. The bright spots for this game were, I guess, 
Trey continuing to shoot the lights out. He's coming in. He, he knows exactly what his role is. Everybody else on the team knows what his role is. And he pretty much completes that role to perfection and has the Oklahoma State game is the only outlier when he didn't make anything, but it didn't matter because we won. And both of the games this week, honestly, Trey Tennyson is the only bright spot that played well for both of the games. Jamie Dixon actually recognized his defense in the press conference saying he's the best guard defender we have. And I think that's true. I think Avery Anderson and Jameer, they're decent defenders, but I think they're too aggressive sometimes. And they go for steals, which in a game like this where Iowa State's decent at protecting the ball, they they got backdoor cut all the time. And that's why we lost points in the paint. Whereas Trey's just consistent. He sticks with his man. I think he's the only person on the team who actually boxes out anybody. And he he plays he he played well. Micah Peavy, another guy who played well. He's I think he had zero turnovers in this game. He was the only one of our top seven guys who had zero turnovers. He, he's he's his his never he's never gonna score a ton of points. He's never going to going to be like your go-to guy on offense. But again, he's a guy who knows his role and plays it well. And unfortunately in this game, the other players on the team didn't really perform their roles well. Yeah. I, I do want to give a shout out to Ernest Uday over the past couple of games has been much more aggressive in his role. Now the dude can't catch a pass worth anything. <laughs> I I don't know if it's he's just never ready for the pass or thinking that he's going to get the pass or if he just has bad hands. But his three turnovers, I think he had this game, all came off of him just fumbling the ball. Uh, however, he did shoot 80% from the free throw line going 8 for 10. Which yeah, is good job, big guy. Yeah, good Make job making for... the line, good job making your shots, obviously, yeah. like – the Cincinnati game missed the one, but overall, I think he's actually got a pretty good stroke from the line. He's got pretty good form for a big guy. And this like getting to the line for 10 free throws shows that he's being much more aggressive than I think he has been in the past. He's yeah. looking to get his own shot off. And I think that's going to be a big unlock for this team come like late season. Completely agree with you. Um, and I don't think Ude has bad hands because you look at the lobs that he had against Cincinnati. Dude catches the ball and throws it down. Or maybe he's just redirecting the ball into the basket with authority. But I, I think it just stems from a from a youth perspective. He's still young. Like mm -hmm. think about it. He played what five minutes a game for Kansas like last year, maybe four. He hasn't had a ton of college experience. This is his first year starting, and he kind of got thrown into the deep end. So I, I think it's just a preparation, expecting the ball type of thing. Yeah, but, and I, I will say I've been very impressed with his growth throughout this yeah. season. He has mm – -hmm. we started out kind of badgering him a bit, wanting him to be more aggressive, wanting him to get more boards. Uh only five rebounds this game, 
which isn't like a huge number, but it's towards the top of our team. But what I will say is that I think that he has consistently gotten better and better and improved after each game in terms of his confidence, in terms of his grit and his willingness to kind of go after the ball. And so I think he's, he's going to be a good player for this team come the end of the season, come March, whenever like all of these guys really start clicking together. Uh, yeah. Two tough losses. Cincinnati, I think, was due a win. They're a fantastic team in their own right. Um, I think both of those teams can easily vie for a Big 12 title mm-hmm. at the end of the season. So while it's two straight losses, I don't necessarily think it's anything to get super worried or upset about because um, it's two losses against good teams. Yeah, I agree. I would have loved to have the Iowa State one, though, man. I think they did a really good job of knowing once Lipsy was out, they knew what they had to do. They knew they had to be aggressive on defense. And that coupled with the lazy passing that we saw starting kind of during the second half of the Cincinnati game, that it was just bad for us. It was not good. Yeah, the guys need to do a better job of locking in and start a game. Yeah, it's we just telegraphed, I think, too many passes. There are a couple that I knew were coming. And if I know they're coming, the basketball players who have much more basketball experience than me definitely know they're coming, and it makes an easy steal for a fast break. Yeah, I would just say that, like, as a whole, I think both Avery Anderson, Avery Anderson in particular, but also Jameer Nelson Jr., need to slow down. That's yeah. that's really the big cause for all the turnovers is they're just playing too fast. They're playing out of their own abilities. They're not playing within themselves. And so if they can both just kind of take a deep breath and slow down and not try and just bulldoze their way into the paint, um, I think that we will see those turnovers trimmed down significantly. And I think that overall our offense will click better as we just move the ball around. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but now enough talking about that game. We're going to give awards. At first, I thought no awards. Nobody deserves any awards. It was a really, really bad week. For as good of a week as last week was, this week was just bad. And then I realized that Trey, Trey did have a pretty good week. So mm-hmm. golden player of the week is we are the three wise men. Golden player of the week goes to Trey Tennyson. He's doing exactly what he needs to do, which is his job. And the rest of the team just needs to follow his example. He's honestly watching him on the court. You talked about Anderson and uh, Jameer going way too fast. Tennyson is never moving fast. No. He just kind of he, – he, he really does just move as, at his own speed and play the game he, his own way, however he wants to play it. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree with that. I think if, if I had to give a Franken sensational to one player, I would say Ernest Uday. Um, yeah. Not necessarily for padding the stats. He's not a guy that's going to go out and get you 20 points a game, but he has shown consistent improvement in understanding his role within the offense and the defense. Um, I think that he probably needs to be getting more minutes than he is, in all honesty. But um, overall, I think 
his continued improvement throughout the season is why he's getting this award. And I'm, I'm excited again to, to see that continue and to hopefully see him turn into maybe like next year, turn into a guy that averages like a double, double. Yeah. That can you imagine a TCU big averaging a double, double <laughs> that would be nuts. Now the players we want Murr out of, I think we got to give this to the guards, uh, excluding Trey. Um, we just we need to see more out of them or Murr out of them, and they they just got to take care of the ball, man. Just take care of the ball. Yeah, Avery Anderson having seven turnovers this game. I think he had like five last game. Yeah, that twelve turnovers in two games is terrible. Yeah, he's struggling. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to picks for the week. Connor is not here, who normally picks the games for us to pick the outcomes of, (laughs) but I'm going to just pick a couple games from the big 12, probably 10 games or so from the big 12 this week. And Barrett and I are going to talk. This is kind of also our around the big 12 discussion, but first game we got Tuesday. It's first game, big 12 game of the week. Well, yeah, Tuesday, uh, Cincinnati versus Kansas Barrett. Who you got? Uh, Honestly, I'm going to ride with Cincy on this one. I think Cincy's defense is resoundingly good. I think if they can get Hunter Dickinson in particular into foul trouble early in the game, they have a very significant shot at winning this game. Again, like I said, I think they're an underrated team. And they kind of came off the the bat short end of the stick in a couple weeks ago in their past few games. Obviously got a win against us, but think they come out on top yeah i'm inclined to agree with you mostly because kansas has lost to west virginia and um and ucf and those were two of the projected bottom feeders of the big 12 this year and that just honestly just shows how deep our conference is but i said after our loss to kansas which we shouldn't have lost we should have won that game was stolen from us that Kansas's style of basketball is not is not going to get them far this season. They rely on three players way too much on, for offense. And I think Cincinnati can take advantage of that and will win at the fog. Next up, we have TCU and Oklahoma State. TCU at Oklahoma State. This is dub. This is an easy dub. Oklahoma State's trash. Yeah, I think this is a win as well. It turned into kind of a gimme game, or from a gimme game into kind of a must win at this point in the season. Uh, And I think our guys know that and will respond accordingly. Texas versus Oklahoma. Again, I think this is a good matchup. Uh, Texas got a crazy win against Baylor. This week, uh, if anyone watched that, that was wild finish. Um, I think their guard play, again, I've mentioned a couple times, is probably one of the best in the Big 12. Um, OU is a confident team, but they're a young team. And I think that that comes back to bite them, and UT comes out on top in this game. I'm going to pick Oklahoma. They're at home. Big rivalry game. 
Um, and they're coming off of a win at Cincinnati, and we know how difficult road wins are to get in the Big 12. Houston at BYU. Ooh. Uh, this game's going to come down to how well BYU shoots the three. If they have a terrible game from the three-point line, they're going to get blown out by Houston. If they have a good game from the three-point line, they blow Houston out. Uh, I think BYU's home court advantage is better than most people think it is. Playing in Provo is very difficult. Um, that being said, I think Houston probably comes out on top, but I think it's maybe a little closer than most people think. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Houston's going to take this one just because their half-court defense is so good and BYU relies so heavily on shooting the ball. TCU at Baylor. Go Frogs. Enough said. Yeah, no. No way we're picking Baylor. Um, Kansas at Iowa State. Uh, similar story to BYU. Um, playing at Iowa State is incredibly difficult. Um, I'm assuming that they have their starting point guard back for this game. I think they probably will struggle with Hunter Dickinson's size in this game. Um, I think this is actually probably a win for KU. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm I think Hunter Dickinson feasts on this Iowa State team. They don't have a lot of size. No, they have no size. But I think that their home court advantage is going to be too much for Kansas. I really do. If Kansas lost at UCF, they're definitely losing at Iowa State. <laughs> Texas Tech at Oklahoma. Uh, I think Tech's a decent team. I think Oklahoma's a good team. So I'm going to pick OU here. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be OU as well. Texas surprising me, though. I, I did not expect them to be as competitive as they have been in Big 12 play. So props to the Red Raiders. And last but not least, we have the game everybody's been waiting for, really, for this week. Some might say the highlight of the week, West Virginia at Oklahoma State. God, this is a mid-off, if you will. Um, Although I don't necessarily think these teams are really even mid to say that, even though West Virginia just beat Kansas. I think Oklahoma State has cemented themselves as the worst team in the Big 12. Not particularly close. Um, If anyone is close, it's West Virginia, though, but I still think West Virginia comes out on top. See, I think if Oklahoma State is going to get a win in the Big 12, (laughs) probably going to have to be this game. I don't know (laughs) if they play UCF at home or not, but this is at home against West Virginia. Oklahoma State takes this one. So that's it for our picks around TCU this week. Uh, we had two different events that weren't in basketball land. Our women's rifle team absolutely annihilated Ohio State, 4,730 to 4,715. And our swim and dive team destroyed Iowa State. 162 to 138. I don't know how either of those scores are tallied. I just know (laughs) that we won both of the games and beating Ohio State is always a highlight for me. 
I can appreciate that being, this. Oh, yeah. Ohio State sucks. But that being said, we need to move on to basketball this week. We have two games. The first is Oklahoma State. Yeah. Uh, like we said earlier, OSU is not a particularly good team. Um, I think this is probably going to be a cakewalk of a game for the Frogs. It's going to be, like you said, it's it's a must win at this point after losing two in a row. We can't go to Oklahoma State and lose a third one, especially to this team who is not very good. Uh, I think the guys come out, and I think they come out angry. And I think we obliterate an Oklahoma State team at home. I, I sure hope you're right. Uh, I wrote on my notes that they might beat us the way we're playing and then maybe not win a, another game in the Big 12. They're terrible. Uh, if we can just not play how we played against Iowa State, again, like you said, it should be kind of a cakewalk. They do have a couple players who are good, though. Uh, the first is Javon Small. He's a guard. He's averaging 13.8 points per game and four and a half assists per game, which is their leading scorer and leading assist man. He ha- handles the ball a lot. He's a good free throw shooter, shooting 86.5% from the line. He's a 39% three-point shooter. This is definitely somebody who we need to guard well. And, I mean, Dixon said it best. Trey's our best defender now, other than Micah Peavy. But Trey's our best guard defender. And I think maybe you stick Trey on him. I don't know. But he is the guy that we need to lock down. Yeah. I, I expect Trey to have another big game this week. Um, Oklahoma State is not a team that shoots the ball particularly well. They also average 14 turnovers game, which is not like a huge number, but it's nothing to scoff at, especially coming up against a team that likes to force turnovers in TCU. Uh, I think we, we use our defense to create easy offensive opportunities, and I expect Emmanuel Miller to have a good game in transition. I expect Trey to shoot the lights out again. Yeah, I completely agree. The other guy we need to watch out for is Bryce Thompson. Uh, he's our second leading scorer, and he's another good three-point shooter, 36%. He can't shoot free throws, though. He's shooting like Uday numbers from the free throw line. Um, but really, this game is one that we we really should should take – they run a three-guard lineup with a forward and a center. So we should match up with them pretty well. They don't rebound the ball well at all. They only average 36 rebounds a game. We should feast inside and take it pretty easily, I think. Yeah. If Uday's aggressive, we should win this game handedly. Yeah. Completely agree. Next up, we have a huge rivalry game for us at Baylor on Saturday. Um, Personally, I don't think Baylor's all that good. I think they benefited from having a relatively easy schedule to start the Big 12. But that being said, they do continue to win. They're third in the Big 12 standings right now. They've got to be doing something right. They're a really good three-point shooting team and just a good shooting team overall, shooting 50% from the field as a team. Um. They're led by Jacoby Walter, who's averaging 15.2 points, 
4.6 rebounds and one and a half assists. He also is averaging a st- over a steal per game. He's a 85% free throw shooter, shooting 37% from deep. Really, Baylor is a three-point shooting team. Yeah, they they like to shoot, and they're not afraid to pull the trigger in any event. Um, I think one guy that is kind of underrated on this Baylor team, starting center Eve Misi, the the francophone from Cameroon. Shout out to French speakers. Um, he's he's a freshman, but he's looked good for them at times and can take over games. And then he's had games where he's been kind of a non-factor. So if he is able to kind of do his thing in the low post against Ernest Uday in this game, it's going to be a tough task for TCU to stop him um, and to stop this Baylor offense. If, if he gets some good touches in the paint, he's not a like terrible passer by any means, but I think anytime that you are able to collapse the defense – with a team like this that likes to shoot the three and can do it very well, uh, it makes it that much more difficult to guard them on the outside. Yeah, and we struggle guarding guarding down low. I feel like our centers are either too passive and just stick to their man all the time, or they're too aggressive with their help defense and they help they overhelp, which leaves the center open in the paint. Uh, we haven't really figured out how to navigate that yet and this game with both eve misi and you can't forget the dude with one of the best names in sports jonathan tachama chachua who <laughs> really we struggle against hustle guys and he's a bruiser he, he's a bruiser i called the trey king outburst before the iowa state game i knew we would struggle with him we struggled against houston's hustle guy we struggled against Cincy's hustle guy. It's just something that this team hasn't figured out yet. Struggling so, yeah, yeah, and we struggled against Kansas's too with uh, with Adams, KJ Adams, who had a career game against us. So really, we got to lock down Ray J Dennis or Rage Dennis. I don't know how you say that name. That Ray J. I've never seen a name spelled like that. Uh, but he's averaging 13 points a game. He's another 38% shooter. Langston Love, 47.5% three-point shooter. Jalen Bridges, 38% three-point shooter. Jaden Nunn, 42% three-point shooter. These guys are really snipers. we got to get closeouts down perfectly. Yeah, which thankfully historically, at least this season, TCU has been pretty good against the three-point. Yeah, and we've had pretty strong defense on that. I think part of that is due to just our team's overall athleticism. We have to use that athleticism in a controlled way and not too aggressively close out because uh, that's when you get into a scramble drill. But uh, I think tough matchup again. I think I say that pretty much every single game in the Big 12 minus maybe OSU. Um, but this is a team that I would say matches up fairly well against us. It's not a team that turns the ball over that much, only 11 turnovers a game. Um, we have to force them to play our style of basketball and run and gun and 
keep them off the three-point line. Yeah, I think if we do force the game to be a little bit quicker, it will keep them off the three-point line just because everybody will be running and everybody's in transition the whole time. I think it's a winnable game despite it being away. Um, I don't think Baylor's, like I said, I don't think Baylor's all that good. Like, obviously, they're a top team in the country, but pretty much everybody in the Big 12 is a top team in the country. Um, They've just continued to win minus the Texas game. So, really, come out strong. I think we can go 2-0 this week. And, yeah, yeah, please go 2-0. TCU basketball, if you hear this, please go 2-0 this week. Uh, one last thing I'll say about this game before we kind of move on to the quadrant tracker is that uh, we talked a lot about Baylor's offensive abilities, but this is another team that runs a no middle defense and they're actually a fairly strong defensive team for the most part. Um, if anything, just because of the scheme, uh, Jamie Dixon runs a similar scheme, but with Eve Misi roaming the paint, it kind of clogs up those driving lanes for our, our guys like PV and Nelson who like to get to the basket. Uh, <laughs> I know we have been shooting well pre- recently, but I think this is a game where TCU is going to have to rely on their shooting a little bit because of Misi roaming the paint and just because of the way that Baylor plays defense. Yeah, and Lord knows if – there's somebody in the paint. Our guards will turn it over. <laughs> they showed it the last game, especially if the refs aren't calling <clears throat> kicky tack fouls. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, there were so many times when Jameer just dribbled, fell down, and the ball rolled away from him. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Fun Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on to Quadrant Tracker. Obviously, we had two Q1 games last week. We lost both of them. This week, the uh, the game against Oklahoma State, I believe, is a Quadrant 3 game. It would be Quadrant 4, but it's away. So pretty much a must-win game. I haven't checked West Virginia's net ranking, but I assume with the wins over Texas and Kansas, they're, they're moving up. So this might be our easiest game based on net rankings that we have left in the season. And then Baylor, obviously top 10 team in the country for now. I think they'll probably move down. I believe they lost to Kansas State. Still a Q1 right? game. Though. Yeah, yeah. Q1 game. They're a top 20 net team. Uh, yeah. Both of these games would love to have, especially since we're now – two and five in Q1 games, we need to start getting that more to uh, to 50% in those games. Which is kind of absurd that we already have seven Q1 games. Yeah. but I, I can't believe that, that some teams had seven Q1 games. Like Kansas had seven Q1 games in their non-conference schedule. Mm-hmm. Anyways, thanks for, thanks for joining us this week. I uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. It's TCU's Three Wisemen. Follow us on Twitter at TCU's Three Wise Men. And (laughs) yeah, follow Pedro. His his Twitter is at PedroVivez01. Follow him. The Frogs take on Abilene Christian 
this week at 5.30. Usually the tennis has free pizza and like free free soft drinks at these games. So that's a bonus. Um, follow him. Go Frogs. Thanks for listening. Roll Toad.